Support comes from Empower Missouri, providing in-person and virtual training to become an advocate for Missourians living in poverty. Registration for Empower Missouri's March 27th Advocacy Day is at empowermissouri.org WOA. Joe McCullough always wanted to follow in the footsteps of his brother, former St. Louis County Prosecutor Bob McCullough. And the former police officer and municipal judge now has his chance after his appointment as St. Charles County Prosecutor. McCullough joins us on Politically Speaking to talk about his goals for the job and how he plans to help stabilize the St. Louis Circuit Attorney's Office. Let's hit the music. This is Politically Speaking, the definitive show about politics in the St. Louis region. I thought this was an opportunity to have a new voice in that seat. And the decisions I make in county government allows me to help people in large groups, and I enjoy it. We're not using it as a wedge issue. We're using it more as a, you know, what's right for the region conversation. We need to know what the issues are in our communities in order to address them. Because people want to see change, and they want to see a St. Louis that works for everyone. Some days I need the credit, most days I don't. But most importantly, I have to be able to control how this environment is going to evolve. We knew that in races that that have multiple candidates, the only way you win is in the streets. And welcome to Politically Speaking. I'm your host, St. Louis Public Radio's Jason Rosenbaum. Joining me in studio, he is the recently appointed prosecutor for St. Charles County. Your name is? Joseph McCullough. Um, Thank you very much for coming here today. Um, tell us a little bit about yourself and what you were doing before you got appointed to this position. I almost hate to say this, but before I got appointed to this position, I had uh, retired from the practice of law last summer, so about eight months. Um, so jumping back to the beginning, um, once I graduated from high school, I wanted to, uh, I always wanted to be a police officer. Uh, as most people know, or a lot of people know because of my brother, uh, our father was uh, a police officer, and he was shot and killed uh, chasing an individual for a kidnapping and robbery. Uh, that happened when I was seven years old. Uh, so even prior to him being killed, I wanted to be a police officer. So when I graduated high school uh, the next month, I joined the St. Louis Police Department. I joined it as a, a civilian employee in what's called a police cadet program. That was kind of a training uh, program for uh, people that wanted to become police officers. So my first assignment there was in communication. So you learned how to, you know, talk on the radio. You learned how to answer 911 calls. You actually took some police reports over the, uh, over the phone, small stealings, auto theft, stuff like that. Uh, and then police officers reviewed the reports to make sure they were accurate. And then you did everything uh, as far as putting information into the computer to report a stolen vehicle and stuff like that. You also had a number of other uh, assignments uh, for a couple of years out in the districts where you got to... Uh, you know, meet the police officers. Sometimes you did ride-alongs with them and things like that. So I did that for three years until I turned 21. Upon turning 21, I entered the police academy, and uh, I stayed there for 21 years as a police officer. Your brother was on this program in 2015. We asked him how your father's death influenced your path in life. So part of that was to become a police officer. How else did that that entire tragic episode affect your worldview on 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 life and in, in this position? Well, I don't know how it affected me on life. I mean, it, it had to. I mean, 
you hate to say, you know, seize the day and enjoy the day or whatever the case may be, but that was proof how things can change in an instant. I mean, I was at a, a baseball game when this happened, seven-year-old, and I came home to a number of strangers uh, being in my house that I did not know. And then uh, my mom and my uncle took me into a uh, into one of the bedrooms and, and told me what happened. So, But again, that never affected my, my desire to become a police officer and uh, serve the public. That was the main thing that I wanted to do. And I always looked at him as being a, a hero for what happened and what he did. Uh, obviously, I wish it would have never happened, but you have to, you have to live with, with those things. And uh, so I became the police officer that I always wanted to be, and, and it was just the idea of, of serving the public and, and continuing in that public service. So your brother, as you mentioned, Bob McCullough, was St. Louis County prosecutor from, I think, 1991 to the end of 2018. How did that entire experience for him influence you to possibly go into the practice of law and decide that you also wanted to be a, a prosecutor as well? Well, it certainly uh, had a lot of influence. I, I, I will admit that. Uh, uh, as, a, uh, as a police officer in a police cadet program that I talked about, you were required to go to college for six hours a semester. So I did a little increments of, of college and then as I got older on the police department, I would take some classes, and then I got married, and I had kids, and I would take some more classes. And so when I finally got promoted in 1990, I no longer had to work overtime. I no longer had to work a second job. So that gave me some more free time. So that's when I decided to go back to school. Uh, and Webster University gave me some life experience hours, uh, which really helped me. I got about 30 of those hours. And so I had about 30 more hours to complete in order to get my uh, undergraduate degree. So it was at that point, I will also tell you that once I got promoted, I didn't care for police work as much, okay? Becoming a supervisor versus being the person that does the job um, took away some of my enjoyment of the job. So that's when I, uh, I decided that I wanted to serve the public in a bigger uh, capacity, I guess. So um, I saw at that time uh, how my brother had been serving the public. And uh, I lived out in St. Charles County, so the intention was to go to law school with the uh, purpose of becoming the prosecuting attorney out in St. Charles County at that time. It, it took you a little bit long to get there. You're, this is not actually the first like public service position you've been in. You were actually on the St. Charles County Council in the 2000s as a Democrat, though. But you had to be a Republican in order to be appointed by the, the county executive. Can you talk about, like, your party switch, because I, th this may seem, for, for people that don't pay attention to Missouri politics, this may seem surprising, but your brother was like one of the most popular officials in Democratic politics for many years. So it may be surprising that, especially if you switch parties in the 2000s, that he had this Republican brother hanging out in St. Charles the whole time. Uh, it is kind of funny, and we had, uh, we had many of, of lively discussions about that uh, at the time. So I ran as a Democrat on the uh, county council uh, back in 2000. At that time, I felt the Democratic Party was the party of the working man, and I always considered myself a, a working individual. Um, but as time went on, I just felt that the Democratic Party got more and further and further away from um, the working man. And so when I left the county council, um, I had become good friends with, with Steve Elman, who was the county executive at the time, and uh, I found myself getting more and more involved in Republican politics out in St. Charles County, uh, whether it was you know supporting his and others' reelections or just getting involved in uh, 
in the politics at all. So a few years uh, prior to this, I was contemplating running for a, a judge out in St. Charles County, and I went and approached Steve about uh, pursuing that and that I wanted to pursue it as a Republican, um, and he supported that, uh, that idea, and he knew from my time on the county council, they considered me more conservative than some of the Republicans that were on there. So it was an easy transition, and once uh, 2014-2015 came around with all the, uh, what they call the Ferguson uh, effect, I felt that the Democratic Party, uh, even those that didn't believe in defunding the police, were not coming out in support of the police, and uh, that was really the final straw as far as I was concerned with the Democratic Party. Uh, I was leaning Republican anyway, but th that was when I cut my ties. Yeah, and we, we talked about this with your brother extensively, both in 2015 and 2018, but he was obviously put under a huge microscope nationally and internationally after Michael Brown was shot and killed in Ferguson. And it, it, when I said it was somewhat surprising for people to know that he was very popular amongst Democratic politicians, like, for example, Claire McCaskill and Chris Coster were very happy to get his endorsement in their races. Um, he suddenly became a lot less popular after that in some circles of the party. So that so that influenced your decision too, sort of the way he was treated during that situation? Absolutely. Uh, the way that he was treated by the, the people that were running the Democratic Party at the time, and even those individuals that were what I would consider more conservative and not in favor of defunding the police, they were taking a back seat uh, and not standing up. Um, in my opinion, they were probably being politicians and seeing which way the wind blew. And when the wind was blowing for defunding the police, they allowed that to continue on, didn't step up, didn't say anything, didn't come out opposed to it. And then as the winds started changing direction, now they've come out and, and, and are no longer trying to defund the police or in favor of defunding the police. But uh, that, was, that was the final straw for me. So let's talk about present day. So Tim Lomar resigns somewhat unexpectedly and for reasons that I think he said like were personal in nature. Um, so then Steve Ellman has to appoint his replacement. And you were one of, I think, 11 people that applied. What You said you wanted this position for a while. Um, what kind of, but what kind of made you want to do this? I think you're like 65, 66 years old. You mentioned that you <laughs> retired from private practice. So why would you want to do this now when you could just like, you know, go to Florida and hang out there or something like that? Well, I've, I've been to Florida plenty and, and uh, it's, it's a nice place to visit, but I, I don't want to live there. Uh, the, you know, again, it comes down really, I just, I love serving, the, being a public servant. I love that as a policeman. I love that as a county council person. Uh, probably the last dozen years or so, uh, I've done just something small like delivering Meals on Wheels to, to people uh, every Wednesday. And uh, just my interaction with those people and, you know, those are kind of lo lonely older Americans and stuff like that. And I really got the enjoyment out of just talking to them. They'd love to see you. They'd love to talk to you. They'd love to spend a few minutes with you. So it was just that public service and, and the idea to fulfill what I will call a second dream job uh, when it presented itself, I just felt that this was an opportunity to serve the public on a, on a broader basis and to um, see that justice, uh, St. Charles is a growing community, crime is starting to follow out there, and I just wanted to make sure that it remained a safe place for me and my kids and not my grandkids. So because he resigned like five months into his term, are you the prosecutor until like 2020, the end of 2026? I actually have to run for re-election to fill out his new term next year. Okay. Um, so that'll be an election next year to, to fill out the remaining 
amount of his time. And you plan to run for that? Absolutely. So let's talk about how the office is actually constituted. For people that are not intimately aware of like what the prosecutor's office does in St. Charles or how it's structured, tell us a little bit of like how many attorneys there are, how broad the scopes are, and what your responsibilities are. So we have a, a staff of about, well, of about 53. Half of those are attorneys, half of those are support staff, along with some investigators. And it's the prosecuting attorney's job to, um, they have complete discretion as to who to charge criminally and what charges to pursue uh, in those criminal charges. So police officers arrest them. They then bring what we call a warrant application down there. I have uh, uh, lawyers in the warrant office that review the cases and decide whether to issue warrants or not. Then we file the charges against them, and then there are other attorneys that, uh, if there are felony charges, you start out in the associate court um, where they have a probable cause hearing. So that's not like a trial where you have to prove beyond a reasonable doubt. It's just more likely than not, so 50%. So I have attorneys uh, that handle those, and then when they get what we call bound over, get transferred to the circuit court, then I have another set of attorneys that handle them on, on that level. And you mentioned about the fact that St. Charles County is growing, which is, I think it's one of the fastest growing counties in the entire state. And I think that the reason why people are moving there is there's a perception that it's safer, there are better schools there. Um, it's it's a place for like you know a lot of different income levels to go to working middle upper class people but with growth is there have you seen like rising crime in certain places and if so like what can your office do to combat that well there there has been a rising crime i believe it's the third largest county in the state now it has over 400,000 residents uh, and they're attracted to St. Charles County because of the low crime rate because of the excellent schools that are out there and because of the housing uh, market that is out there. So um, that's what brings them out there. What keeps them out there are also those three things. So my portion of the, of the three-legged stool, if you would, is to, to make sure that crime um, does not get out of control down there. And so you know, basically what we look at is, is individuals that are committing crime. Yes, there is more crime out there, but it's not serious crime. So. Uh, there's an increase, but there's there's not an increase in crime as much as there is an increase in uh, individuals moving out there. So there is a, a slight increase, but uh, but nothing like we have in other places. Is your job made a little bit easier because the municipalities in St. Charles County are larger? They have more sophisticated police departments that are better funded um, compared to St. Louis County where there are like there's not 90 cities anymore because some of them have gone away. But there's like a lot of cities, a lot of different police departments. Some of the police departments are good and some are frankly not. Does that kind of help someone like you because the law enforcement infrastructure and environment just is is just a lot less fragmented, essentially? Well, I think that's a a good word for it. It's a lot less fragmented and uh, the police officers that are out there are much better trained, um, they are, uh, they're just, in my opinion, better police officers because, uh, they have the training, they have the skills. They also have the, uh, the equipment that allows them to, uh, to do their jobs properly, whether it's forensic, you know, for evidence, uh, collecting and stuff like that or items like that. And so it just makes it better. And you're dealing with less people, less chiefs so that you can have a more direct contact with them. 
what is kind of like the situation with illicit drugs? I know when I was talking with people in like the, the 2000s and 2010s, for, for a lot of collar counties like St. Charles, Jefferson County, Franklin, meth, methamphetamine abuse was really bad. Now I think it seems like it's fentanyl. What's What's been your view of like what that situation is and what can your office do to counteract some of those things? Well, yes, you're right. It, it was methamphetamine back in the day and now fentanyl is, is all the rage. And... Um, the problem with fentanyl that we're seeing is that it's in everything. It used to be like methamphetamine was just methamphetamine, and everybody that was doing methamphetamines knew that they were doing it. What you have now is you have fentanyl, and you find fentanyl being laced in everything that people get. So even if your intention is to smoke a little marijuana, we're finding out that that's being laced with fentanyl. You may or may not know that. Hopefully not at some of the dispensaries. Not at the dispensaries, but, uh, you know, people themselves are doing it. Um, and the thing that always amazed me about drugs is um, when somebody overdosed because they got some stuff that wasn't cut, uh, you know, because you're not buying it from a dispensary, you know, you're buying it off the street and everybody does something different, is when somebody finds out about drugs and somebody got overdosed because it was so strong, people flock to that and want to get more drugs because they want to get higher. And that, that, that kind of always amazed me. So the only thing you can really do is, is education. And we have a number of uh, programs in place, as, as most places do now, that deal with alcohol and drugs. We also have mental health courts. We also have veterans courts. We even have uh, co- coexisting courts or whatever for people that are suffering from more than just one problem. And we try to steer those people that need the help into those uh, programs. Uh, we also have some outreach programs where we go to schools and stuff and talk to individuals. Um, just about the the dangers, and we we try not to make it a ridiculous speech or whatever. We try to be honest with them, and I think that's the thing that is most appreciated. Where we don't, you know, say marijuana is a gateway to harder drugs and stuff like that. We just, you know, give them the facts, and 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 we also throw in there the the cost. You know, if you get caught with drugs, here's what's going to happen to you. You're going to get charged. You're going to have to pay thousands of dollars for a, a lawyer. You're going to have to pay thousands of dollars in a treatment program. Um, you know, you may or may not get student loans. If you're living in a house that's subsidized, you're going to lose your government subsidies and stuff like that. And I just don't think people know that. So uh, education is the biggest thing with regards to drugs. Is there anything that you would want the state legislature to do in the future to make your job easier? As time goes on here, I'm sure that there will be. There are some some instances that I am, uh, um, or some items that I am looking into with regards to the biggest one that comes to my mind right now. Are we, we see all these, uh, uh, we used to call them car cloddings as police officers, but where people are going into basically unlock cars. Mm-hmm. But what you're seeing is these individuals now are armed, mm-hmm. and so what I am am going to look for with the legislature and stuff like that is to be able to at least enhance those penalties for individuals that are seen, you know, breaking into cars and for individuals that are seen breaking into cars that are armed with guns and stuff like that. Yeah. And I think that, I mean, you're, you live in St. Charles County. It's a very Republican area. They're probably very pro Second Amendment. And I'm sure you are too. But there does seem to be a little bit of tension between the Republican majority and law enforcement about just having no laws. Um, because you have situations like that where someone like you wants to enhance the penalties, but it's unclear whether you can. Is there is there kind of a sweet spot between protecting the right to bear arms and also making sure that 
people that are doing something criminal with them can be adequately punished. Yeah, and I think the legislature uh, understands that and recognizes that, that we're not looking to take away any rights of individuals um, to bear you know, arms, that we're looking to find a way to punish those that are um, making life extremely dangerous out there. I mean, we've seen a number of ring doorbells or whatever of individuals searching cars that are armed with guns. Even one, the latest one that I saw, the guy was using the light attached to his gun to go through a car. And so when somebody comes out to confront them, I mean, that's a deadly situation and it has to be addressed more than somebody that is pulling on a car door and, and takes, you know, a, a laptop that somebody left in there or some change. And we'll be right back after this quick break with St. Charles County Prosecutor Joe McCullough. And we're back on Politically Speaking with Joe McCullough. He is the new prosecutor of St. Charles County. So speaking of prosecutors and appointments, uh, we are recording this on Thursday, May 18th, 2023. So by the time this comes out, there will almost certainly be a new St. Louis Circuit Attorney appointed by Governor Mike Parson. We don't know who that is yet. So th this line of questioning is going to be more general than what does Joe McCullough think of uh, person X, who is who's, who's your new colleague. Um, but with St. Louis Circuit Attorney Kim Gardner resigning unexpectedly this week, there's been a big focus on how regional prosecutors can help with what I think is accurately a caseload crisis at that office. What is St. Charles County willing to do to help here? So basically, we're willing to do anything. I, uh, it was my intention when I first uh, got the position to reach out to Ms. Gardner, but I think a few days after I was appointed, uh, she announced that she was going to resign June 1st, so I didn't bother reaching out to her. But I think people do know that my predecessor, Mr. Lomar, reached out to her, and, and she declined any help from us. So we are now working on a regional approach. Um, myself, uh, Wesley Bell from St. Louis County, the prosecutors in Jefferson County, Franklin County, Lincoln and Warren County, all released a statement the other day advising them that we were willing to help in any way that we can. So we have an idea of how bad it is down at the circuit attorney's office, but that's us looking from the outside in. It really won't be determined until we're, we're on the inside. And so once we get the new appointee and they get in to see exactly where they stand at, I think some of the first things that we're going to look to is, is, depending on who gets elected, is, is kind of advising them as to what kind of a management staff that he wants to get into place to make sure that things get done. Um, I, if it's my understanding, there are thousands of warrant applications that are down there pending. So we would be willing to have somebody, you know, from a different offices kind of go down there and start reviewing those, you know, and at least an attorney or, or, you know, a few attorneys or whatever to review the warrant applications. I suspect we're going to find that a lot of the statute of limitations have run on some of these warrant applications. So that's um, shameful. Um, but it's a factor, you know, probably going to be a reality. Uh, and just assist in any way we can. We don't know what the support staff, at least I don't know what the support staff is down there. I don't know what the investigators are. You need to have them in order to get the trials going and things like that. Uh, but I think you're going to see a lot of people looking to return to that office. Uh, prosecution, I think, is more of a calling. You can certainly make more money in the private practice. That's more of a calling. Um, but when you're under those circumstances and, and you have, you know, such a such a bad work environment that you're leaving. But I think you're going to see a lot of former prosecutors go back there and allow the uh, the uh, ship to get right it quicker than we think. How realistic is it to expect your office to help meaningfully lower the caseload? It's not like 
you just have attorneys in the St. Charles County prosecutor's office that are not doing anything. And I, and I think that's the same issue for St. Louis County, Franklin, Jefferson as well. Like, how realistic is it that you could, like, dispatch attorneys to help with this caseload, especially if some of these cases are really complicated and time-consuming? Well, I don't think our intention is to go down there and try the cases. I think our intention is more on a, uh, a level of reviewing the warrant applications and stuff like that. But the circuit attorney's office can, as we do in conflict cases, they can give the cases to us. And so we can take a case or two, uh, you know, uh, I think St. Charles County, I probably have a couple of attorneys that could take a case or two each and help them out. That's just a a minute amount. And I know there's a lot going on there, but um, there is only so much that you can do. But mainly, I think we're going to look to get a, a management staff in there and to help them bring the people back. Yeah. Um, I I think that there's just a lot of questions about like how things got so bad in this situation. And I guess my question for you is like, as someone who's new on this job, let's say there's a crime surge in St. Charles County. How do you prevent like your office from falling into the same problems as former circuit attorney Gardner's office? And in, in other words, what sort of things from this experience will you take to make sure your office doesn't fall into disarray? Well, I'd like to think, first of all, my management style will will make that. I mean, uh, I have a very experienced office, uh, more so than a lot uh, of offices because of the way that it's structured. Um, So we have a lot of uh, attorneys there that have been a long time. One of of my pleasant surprises was when I took over that office was the trial experience that my staff had. I was not expecting them to have the trial experience that that they have. So I would feel comfortable with just about everybody in the office handling any type of a trial that there were to come up. So that's one of the reasons that you do it. You know, um, you don't micromanage. Right now, just coming in, I've kind of told everybody that I'm going to micromanage so that I can see what's going on and learn. There's still things that I need to learn. So you are micromanaging temporarily. I am temporarily (laughs) micromanaging to see what I can delegate and what I can't delegate and what I need to pay close attention to and and what I, I, I do not. Yeah. And I think that's something that maybe the general public may not understand. Like the actual elected prosecutor typically does not try cases themselves. I don't think your brother tried many cases at all. I don't think Wesley Bell has either. Um, uh, Former Circuit Attorney Gardner tried to with the Greitens case, and that did not end very well. Can you just like explain maybe just for general people like why maybe the elected prosecutor may be more of a manager and may not be actually trying cases when they are managing offices as large as yours, basically? Well, I think you just said it. You have a, a number of staff that are there that uh, that you need to manage. You, you, you know, you have a budget. You have investigators. You have support staff. Um, you also have the public that you have to go out and talk to. I think since I've taken office, I've probably gone out and given a speech to uh, a group just about every day, uh, either over lunch or breakfast or whatever the case may be. Um, and so there's a lot of management, a lot of budget issues and things that you need to do. And you need to make sure that you know all the courts are covered, that people are down there, and you have staff to do that to help you out or whatever the case may be. But ultimately, it lies with you. And so that is very involved. So doing a trial is, is not easy to do. It's my intention to do some trials while I'm in there. Uh, I consider myself what's called a trial attorney, as most of us do. Um, but I certainly won't be handling uh, a caseload. 
Do you think that this uh, situation with the St. Louis Circuit Attorney's Office could prompt more permanent collaboration between regional prosecutors? And if so, what does that look like beyond this kind of crisis? Well, I, I think there's more collaboration going on than probably the general public knows, okay? We have what we call conflict cases. So if, uh, let's say, I had a, a case that I needed to be conflicted out on because maybe the person charged is related to somebody in our office or something like that, then I would call one of the area uh, prosecutors, you know, St. Louis County, Lincoln County, Warren County, whatever the case may be, and ask them to take the case. And that's never been a problem. So... Um, that probably happens a couple times a year for each jurisdiction. The bigger the jurisdiction, the, you know, the more it's going to happen. Uh, so there's that cooperation that is going on, and uh, we have no problem going over to St. Louis County, being appointed as a special prosecutor in a case, and going over there and handling the case from start to finish. So the, the, there's that cooperation that's already going on. I think that was one of the problems that uh, with the city's office that they they weren't reaching out for help, they weren't asking questions, and it was such a toxic work environment that people were just getting up and quitting. And, and if you don't have the people to fill the slots and the people there are, are leaving, that, that's going to make for a bad work. That, that does bring to question a more uh, policy issue that became very prominent after Michael Brown's shooting death, and that is what to do when a police officer kills somebody. Um, there was very in vogue in 2015 to say, if that happens, that you should bring in a separate prosecutor to look into that. That that idea kind of has fallen out of vogue. Like, Gardner didn't do that. Wesley Bell hasn't really done that either. They set up separate units within um, their, their, their agencies. And I will just, for, for people that have listened to this show, your brother was a huge opponent of that idea. If, if a situation happens in St. Charles County where a police officer uses deadly force, what would be kind of your mentality about how you would handle that? Because it will probably happen in the next couple of years, and I think it will shine a brighter spotlight on you. Uh, yes. As a matter of fact, it has already happened. Just prior to me taking office, a, a police officer uh, shot and killed an individual out there, and we just uh, reviewed that case or whatever. Uh, it would be my intention to review it unless I would have a personal relationship with that officer. Uh, if that would happen, then I would probably recuse my office. But otherwise, it's no different than any other citizen that is out there. You're, you know, you're not going to recuse yourself just because they live in St. Charles County or they work in St. Charles County if you don't have a personal relationship with them. What the police departments have done out there is, is in St. Charles County has set up their own uh, police shooting investigations amongst all the department. They took their top investigators, uh, put them in a... Uh, in a role where they will do the investigation. Nobody from the department that did the shooting or involved in the shooting will participate in it except for a liaison. And that liaison will just be, hey, we need to get into the locker room or we need a place to write reports or we need a place to talk to people, whatever the case may be. So he will be there to you know, get him in the door and give him an interview room, whatever the case may be. But the police departments themselves uh, have already set that up. It's already in place. And, and I just reviewed my first police shooting and, and uh, I thought the investigation was done very well, very professionally, and with details uh, that even I didn't think of. So I was very happy with the way it was handled. I was very happy with the way that it was presented to me. And uh, we have uh, uh, deemed it a justified shooting. So w we mentioned collaboration before. I'd be remiss if I didn't ask you this question. Uh, the St. Louis County Prosecutor, Wesley Bell, was the person that defeated your brother in an election. But you... Both the St. Louis County and St. Charles County border each other, so it, it's obvious that whatever your 
uh, feelings about that situation. You two are going to have to work together. Is that dynamic going to affect your ability to work together? Or is that is five years an eternity and everyone has kind of moved on at this point? Well, I don't know if five years is an, an eternity or not, but uh, Mr. Bell and I, he, uh, uh, his, uh, peop- his people uh, reached out to me when I got the appointment and, uh, you know, just to congratulate me uh, and one of his uh, top people I've known for a long time. So I've been in touch with them and told them I would get in touch with Mr. Bell after I got settled into the office so we could make sure that we continue to have that relationship that we need to have. And with this... Um, crisis or whatever you want to call it going on with, uh, with uh, the city attorney, with Ms. Gardner, uh, Mr. Bell and I have been in constant contact with each other uh, with regards to how we can help and what we can do, and we are collaborating with them and the other area prosecutors to, to lend our assistance. So we have a working relationship, and uh, I, I don't see that being uh, a problem. Yeah, and for our listeners, Prosecutor Bell kind of got put in a very weird situation after Gardner resigned. Like, she filled out some handwritten thing making him like the transition coordinator, but it hadn't been approved by a judge. And I think his staff was wondering like what that meant for him. Ultimately, though, the governor appointed his general counsel. Um, but I guess my only other question on this topic is what should the public take away from this entire Kim Gardner episode? And what do you think what do you think it showcases about how important these offices are not only politically, but for how public safety is enhanced in the region. Well, I'm not going to pull any punches on this one. I mean, she even screwed up her resignation. Uh, You know, she has no authority to appoint him as a transitional attorney. Um, So where she came up with that idea, that I have no idea. Uh, That could have been bad for Mr. Mr. Bell uh, also. Uh, if that would have would have gone through, so luckily he uh, asked some questions about how that was going to transpire and and how that's possible to do it. Uh, I think he was down there. To, it seems like she was the only one that he would talk to, so he was down there trying to keep the ship afloat uh, until the governor could appoint somebody. Thank you so much for coming in today. For all of our stories, go to stlpr.org. Politically speaking, is a product of St. Louis Public Radio, which is part of the University of Missouri St. Louis. Uh, Prosecutor McCullough, how could people find out more about your office, whether it be over the phone, online, carrier pigeon, whatever? Well, they can always go to uh, SCCMO, St. Charles County, Missouri, SCCMO.org, and that'll take us to the county website. And then uh, just scroll down to the prosecutor page, and it'll have information about uh, uh, the prosecutor's office itself and what our duty and our missions are. And then uh, we are in the process of setting up a, a Twitter and an Instagram account just to keep people informed of what's going on in the area. And, and we'll be using that uh, as an informative uh, sign along with the Facebook page. Can we expect, like, elaborate Instagram reels from you? You, w- you will not see anything except what comes from the office. I am just, I, I'm just <laughs> teasing. Thank you very much. Until then, so long.